Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Do you ever wonder if animals communicate with each other? Do they try to communicate with us? Well, Amelia Kincaid back with us, author, international speaker, featured in the 100 Top Psychics in America. Now, her unique ability is to communicate with animals. It's been the focus of countless magazines and newspaper articles around this planet. Amelia's true passion is assisting animal rescue organizations in Africa who create safe havens for elephants cheetahs and white lions. Amelia, welcome back. Thank you. Nice to hear your voice. How are you? Fantastic. Good I have for stories for you that will blow your mind. I bet you do. Knock your paws off. When Knock you off. When you were a little girl, were you interested? Did you love little animals all over the place? I I was fascinated. And I think for a lot of people they're the they're the safe haven. You know, they're the safe haven of joy and purity and hope and devotion, friendship. They're, they are the perfect role model for most of us. At um, our live event in Everett, Washington this weekend, at the meet and greet, one of our listeners who came in and was in the theater brought his Doberman Pinscher with him. Mm-hmm. And it had three legs. Oh. It lost a leg all the way up to the shoulder. Wow. And so he had one in the front and two in the back. And this little guy was just a champ. I mean, he just participated. He walked around. You know, you could, you, this, this, this dog, you could tell, did not feel sorry for itself. No. It, it did everything it, it could that a four-legged dog practically could. It was amazing. And nothing could be more important than to determine whether or not that animal wants to lose that leg or whether they want to go to heaven. And so much of the work I do is decisions like that. Is If you have an animal that has symptoms, how do you know if it's emotional or if it's physical? Exactly. And now I asked him if he was ever going to get the dog a prosthetic leg, but it had lost its limb up to its shoulder and then part of the shoulder, so there was nothing that you could attach it to. They often do fine on three legs. Yeah, it, it, he, he got around. And, and sometimes not. Sometimes I'll have a cat client who says, no, I don't want to go through that. I'd rather go to heaven. I'll process it, reincarnate, and come back. Tell me about your trips to Africa. Oh, boy. (laughs) And and what's going on there? Well, the the ongoing story with you has been about this this elephant family, these five elephants. Queen Wonky Tuss was a superstar celebrity. They seem to find you wherever you go. Yeah, that's right. She was on the cover of National Geographic and had an Animal Planet documentary done on her. And her daughter, Naughty, was the one that I wrote the chapter about, my last book, Whispers from the Wild. This elephant family walks through the hotel, I mean, into the hotel. Now, Naughty. How how did they get through the door? It's an open, incredible, you know. Ah, okay. Of open air stone lobby. They push the little baby calf up the stairs and they walk right past the tourists. Now, this is where I hold my safaris every Thanksgiving. This is funny. So we're in thanks for creation and all of the incredible animals. And we have Thanksgiving dinner with the elephants. And the elephants are in the lobby, they're in the hotel. And this family, Naughty, was the one who found me in a completely different place. She was not supposed to be there. And she walked into the lobby of a different safari lodge, comes up to me while I'm sitting 
having a a drink in the middle of the afternoon, I'm having a lemonade at the bar, she comes up and kisses my face. The elephant. The elephant. elephant Are people freaking out? Absolutely sweating bullets. I had all these men around me frozen, terrified, didn't know what to do. And I had sent her the message, Naughty, if you can hear me, come over here and kiss my face. And she wraps her trunk around me, Kiss my face. I mean, this is a six-ton wild elephant. Yeah, now what does a six-ton elephant look like? Uh, well, they are... How big is that? It's... Is it a full-size elephant, or did you say she was little? It's about the size of a Volkswagen car. That's small for an elephant, I think. I mean, that you know, that's a maybe a teenager. It's they like can, an elephant calf almost. They can roll your car over if you have hot dog buns in the in the trunk. Yeah, they, I bet they, they could. Like, they but, do. But they that, but I but I've been I've seen big elephants before. No, the so big this was small. massive. Yeah. No, she's a big girl. She's bigger than a car. She's big. And this last time I went to to now you have to follow this thread because it's an amazing thread. The mother, Wonky Tusk, was named such because she had one tusk that was much longer than the other, so she got the nickname Wonky. She had crossed over mysteriously, as, as many things do happen in Africa, George. That's why so much of my life is about the charity and doing anti-poaching campaigns, because elephants and animals mysteriously go missing even in some parks where they're supposed to be protected. This is one of the best conservation programs in the world. But then her daughter got, went on a wild rampage when I left. Naughty got shot by the officials because oh. she was breaking into windows and stealing champagne. And <laughs> you taught her well. Yeah, huh. I know. That's my girl. I mean, she, could, she couldn't help herself. But she definitely was trying to get a message across when I had left Africa then I land the next year, and, and the most heartbreaking moment of my life was hearing that she had been shot. Oh. I mean, I knew something had, awful had happened. Shot and killed? Oh, yeah. Oh. So here's the story, George. This last time, I went to Africa in December to shoot a television pilot. Just a few months ago. That's right. A documentary. And we were going to a different part. Now, that we're going to the Kruger National Park. It is nowhere near Zambia. Zambia is way up north. That's where I lead the safaris. It is way out in the wilds, in the bush. The Kruger is much more tame. You're less likely to see anything in the Kruger. They, it, it's really been poached into oblivion. And in the Kruger, I wasn't expecting to see anything. And I kept mm-hmm. waking up in the middle of the night with an elephant who had one long tusk and one short tusk nudging me. And she's got with her a baby, another young female, like a sister, because they travel in groups, and this army, army of elephants behind her. And I couldn't sleep a wink. Were you in a tent or something? I I started out in Johannesburg, and then we went up and we were in tents. And finally, I turned to the director and I said, listen, they won't leave me alone. Now, this can't be, you know, this is not my family of five that's up in this other part of Africa. We're way, way down in the south. And these elephants are all over the place? Well, no. You know, you can drive for a week in the Kruger and not see an elephant. It depends on where you go. But, I mean, how many have surrounded you in the tent? Well, in this situation, it's happening in my mind. 
I'm having a vision of it oh, before it's happening. Okay. They're waking me uh, up. I thought they were in there poking away at you. Well, they would if they could. They do that too. But in this instance, <laughs> it's just in my mind that they, they've arrived. I'm having visions of them. Okay. And I turned to the director and I said, they, this spirit family will not leave me alone. Now They're you're saying coming. this in your dream state? Or? No, no, awake. To awake. The director. Okay, got to follow They're this coming. story. They're coming. And we're driving day after day. We don't see anything. No elephants, no elephants. Finally, we're pulled over behind a truck. Now, George, when they have a baby with them, they push the baby back. They'll push the baby. To protect. That's right. The mommy will either push the baby between her legs. They're all protecting the calf. They don't ever push the baby in front of them when they're crossing the street. Well, I look over, and here comes an elephant with one long tusk and one little tusk, and she's pushing the baby in front of her. Which is unheard of. Unheard of. Pushing the baby toward me while I'm in the truck, bringing the baby to me. The sister is next to her, and there's just a herd following them. I mean, this is a breathtaking scene. My cameraman was quick as lightning and turned and caught the whole thing on film. Now, this is not the family because the one with the long tusk and the short tusk and her daughter died. Then? They died a couple of years ago. Right. So who were these? Who were these? They sent representatives. Huh. They sent representatives that look identical to what they look like when they were young. Are you saying that they communicated with other animals from the other side? Yes. Or it poses the question, could this be them? Or could it be and them? I've been asking some of my students, do you think it is them reincarnated Re- in a different part in a different park where they're safe? And they came to see me looking exactly the same as they did before. What do they what do they want with you? We're 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 trying to spread a new level of consciousness. Now, what I'm teaching is is just trying to tap into how the animals all already talk to each other. The elephants in the north can be hunted and have a a helicopter chasing them and Scientists have proven that the elephants in the South, not even in the same country, in an entirely different country, will react. So they've done all these studies with the the vibrations coming out of their feet, shooting underground. Mm -hmm. They're trying to define it in a more scientific way instead of looking at a more fundamental building block of consciousness. Well, we know they're sensitive. You remember that horrible tsunami that killed a couple hundred thousand people in Indonesia. The animals headed for the hills way before the tsunami even hit land. Exactly. I mean, if we just pay attention to the patterns of the birds, we could we could stay safer. That's right. And get more messages. But elephants are some of the elders of the planet. I mean, I've been working with whales. I just got back from Hawaii and have all these whale miracles. But these animals, of course, they're communicating in a way that doesn't involve English language. Language is just symbols. The symbols are not the actual thought, emotion, feeling, um, 
experience that you're trying to describe. How can somebody who owns a dog or a cat, how can they tap into this and do what you've done with these elephants? We all have the ability. I mean, what I'm finding now is just astonishing. And when I was in Hawaii, a student flew from London, one came from Canada, one came from the U.S., one came from New Zealand. What island were you on, by the way? I was on Kona. Okay. Because I go to meet the whales every February. Yeah. The the whales come and they calf there. And what I'm finding is that this is something in every human being. We all have the ability to tap into our our intuition, to communicate with the other living beings around us. And the only reason we can't do it is because we've been told that we can't. We've been taught that we can't. And the truth of the matter is, this is a mechanism in human physiology. It's in everybody. We all have a sixth sense. And the more we pay attention to it, and the more we're able to silence the mind, silence the emotion... So we're moving into this deep state of love and gratitude. We're extending that state outside of our bodies, as heart math is now telling us, that these electromagnetic impulses actually impact and change the world around you. And when we're sending out this beautiful wave of awe and joy and love and gratitude and excitement, we're creating what what my mentor, and you know him, Captain Edgar Mitchell. Oh, yes. And here I look on the website to see what you Listen. said about me on, on your Coast to Coast website. There's a picture of an astronaut. Hmm. Everywhere I look, Dr. Mitchell is giving me messages that he's, he's watching. He was one of a kind, too, let me tell you. Brilliant, yep. beyond measure. And we're learning that there is a way to communicate with the world around you by learning how to listen And it's very simple. It's a meditative process where you calm your mind, you calm your emotion, you find what I call the still point, which is that spark of of God light, that star light, that conscious, uh, infinite creator inside of you. And we are all the same. Well, you know how we all have this voice in our heads. How do we know, let's say we're trying to communicate with an animal, with a cat, with a dog, how do we know that... It's not that voice in our head that's taken over as opposed to the actual animal doing it. It doesn't sound the same. Uh-huh. The information that comes in is either surprising or it comes in quicker. Give us an example, if um, you could. With somebody, let's, let's say you're communicating with a dog. What type of information do you get? They're going to answer the question before you even finish asking it. I can say, what's your favorite spaghetti and meatballs? You say that verbally or in your head? In my head. What's your favorite food? Instantly. You see it, you taste it, you hear it. This is what I'm talking about. This is, this is the access we have to information. Can everybody do this? Yes. Everybody is already doing it. They just don't pay attention to it and they don't give themselves credit for it. If somebody walks in the room and they're in a bad mood and then you say, are you okay? And they say, I'm fine. Well, of course you know. You can sense it. You can feel it. You know something's wrong. Of course. So uh, we as children got negated a lot by our parents and teachers and authorities because children come in with the awareness and they're willing to call a spade a spade at the top of their lungs. 
Are, ch- are children more receptive to this than adults? Absolutely. I mean, the, the scientific, one of the, the theories is that the pineal gland is actually the third eye, not the pituitary, but the pineal. It starts to atrophy about the age of seven. Now, the pineal is responsible for being able to visualize. Interestingly enough, George, I've also been reading articles about children watching video games and television as opposed to reading books. And what they've discovered is that children who read nonfiction can't visualize and create as easily as children who read fiction. So if the child has to think, what does a hobbit look like? You know, and that's why a lot of us really don't like the movies that come out, because that isn't what my Gandalf looked like, you know? That isn't what my Bilbo looked like. That isn't what my Elf Queen looked like. That ability in the mind that is, is, can visualize, can create, can listen, that creative part of the brain, which is in the right hemisphere of the brain, starts to atrophy when children learn how to read and write. The same is true in anthropology and civilizations. When a civilization starts a written language and they start using math, what we've, what we've heard is that the, the different countries in the past, like for me, Cherokee and Choctaw, you know, my people were incredibly telepathic and close to the earth. But then so are the Eskimos, and so are the Polynesian people, so are the indigenous African people, so are the people in New Zealand. I mean, we all were. That part of the brain starts to atrophy when the analytical mind takes over and begins to squelch it out. So I encourage people to listen to the feeling you know the 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 juicy part, not to not to um, constantly censor out things that they intuitively know to be true instantly. And mm. I saw I saw you when we sat down with that tortoise. That was amazing, wasn't I, it? As soon as I asked you to do it, you could do it. And I did it. Yes, well, you well, maybe did the it. tortoise did it. I'm not sure. You both did it. But why would we not be able to pick up on what someone else is feeling? Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.